Good morning. We'll turn to Acts chapter 2, and I'll be there after a while. Just hold it somewhere. We'll start somewhere and then end somewhere. How's that? I'm not promising anything this morning except the glory of God coming down in this place. Amen. Are you excited to be in the house of God? Man, this ought to be the greatest moment of our whole week. That we come in here and just give God everything. Everything that we have. Because He is worthy to be praised. Oh man, I want to say it again. Y'all are a little slow. He is worthy to be praised. Amen. Give Him a clap offering. After being away on a business trip for a long time, Tim thought, I better stop in and get my wife something. So he stopped in and went to the cosmetic line, and he saw this young lady. She said, can I help you? He said, yeah, I've been away for a long time. I want to get my perfume. And she said, okay. She just reached in under the counter and handed him a bottle, set it out there, and he said, how much is that? He said, it's $50. He goes, whoa, that's a little expensive. You got anything less than that? And she looked at him, and she reached under the counter and pulled out a bottle, a little smaller, and it's $30. And he said, $30? Well, I was looking for something a little bit more reasonable. She looked at him kind of funny and reached in the bottle and brought this little bitty bottle out. She said, this is $15. And he said, well, ma'am, you don't quite understand. I'm looking for something really cheap. She reached under the counter and handed him a mirror and said, here. <laughs> so husbands don't be cheap, amen? It's probably going to be a quick sermon. I heard one time, and uh, the preacher was up there, and he, he just went on and went on and went on, and people were about falling asleep, and finally he said, uh, I close now, and if you would, greet somebody that you don't know. And this old man was sitting on the front row, and he was sitting right by an elderly woman, and he couldn't hear very good. And so he looks over at her, and she said, my name's Gladys Dunn. And he said, well, I'm glad he's done, too. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 43. I'm reading out of the New American Standard. I study out of that a lot because... It's probably one of the most clear and perfect interpretations of the entire of all the Bibles. All right. So 43 says, everyone keep feel, kept feeling a sense of awe. Everybody say awe. awe. It's an important word this morning. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day continueth one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to the number day by day being saved. All means an overwhelming, overwhelming, Whelming reverent fear. It means a great admiration and an amazement, an amazement of power. All in God was the entire first church 
They lived in it. They breathed in it. Every single one of them. It wasn't just about the apostles. It wasn't just about the main disciples. It was about everyone lived in the power of God, the awe of God. They had a sense of anointing of God all around them. His glory and goodness was upon them and surrounded them. God's power and strength was in them and through them to everyone that they come in contact with. Through them and around them. If you are in awe this morning, will you give the Lord a praise this morning? Amen. Signs and wonders were taking place everywhere. I mean, every place that you move, there'd be a signs and wonders happening with God. The people were on fire. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they couldn't be quiet. They had to tell you something about Jesus. And the word got out, and it spread faster and faster and faster. It was like a wildfire coming, and all of a sudden, you couldn't stop. You cannot stop the move of God. Signs and wonders. Chapter 5 in Acts talks about there was such of God. The power was on them so much that even when Peter walked down the street and John and the apostles, the shadows cast upon the sick, they laid them out in the street and they were all healed. Listen to me. That was the shadow of Jesus touching everyone. It wasn't just a man's shadow. It was the Lord overwhelming all those people that were sick. Turn to Joel, if you would, for just a second. I'm going to read one verse because it's about you today. Joel 2. We read it all the time, and I don't think we quite grab a hold of the understanding of how important it is to receive Joel chapter 2. Okay? Chapter 2, chapter two verse 28. And it will come after this, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see vision. Even on your male and female servants. I will. I will. I will. I am. I am. And I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Say hallelujah. You know what it says. And after this. And, and, and preachers never go back to what this was. All right. And it says, after this, after this, 19 through 25, talks about the, what Satan has done to the church, what Satan has done to the people. And it said, I'm going to pour out on you, and I'm going to take back what Satan has given, I mean, taken away from you, and I'm going to give you sevenfold. I'm going to give you thirtyfold. I'm going to pour out on you. Then after this, I'm going to pour out a spirit on you that you cannot even imagine. See, we can't even imagine what God's got for us. He's got so much in his tank for us to fill up our tank so we can fill up somebody else. It's never about what God wants to do just for me. I was a pretty prideful individual when we started out, and especially when Sean and I got married. We've been married 45 years, fixing to be 46. Stand up, Shauna. A lot of these people don't know you. This is my beautiful wife, Shauna. I was very, very prideful. And all I was about was, God, what can you do for me? God, I want this. I need this. I desire that. What can you do for me? I'm just telling you honestly, right? God got a hold of me and shook me down to the very roots that, that I walk with. And I saw the needs of others that I'd never seen before. 
you know, Billy Simmons, my mentor, the He came up one day, and I was associate pastor at that time. And uh, I said, man, what do I need? And he looked me right in the eyes, got real close to me. And he said, Randy, one day you could be an awesome, awesome pastor, but you don't have any compassion in your heart. Well, you know what I did? I got mad. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I thought, I'm going to put the boxing gloves on. I'm going to whoop you. <laughs> he was my pastor. He was my mentor. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't have any compassion. I walked off, and, and I was in the cleaning the toilets. That was the first job he gave me. I think everybody needs a tear at that. And, and, and I got mad at that even. And, but I got good at cleaning them toilets. I was praying over them toilets every day. God got a hold of me. And I <laughs> I could get it done, let me tell you right now. I am an anointed toilet. I was praying God in the toilet. And I walked back in the toilet, and I was angry. Him, what, how dare him tell me I ain't got no compassion? And I said, Lord. And he said, he's right. Let <laughs> me know that God doesn't have to say a whole lot of words to make a point. And I got down on my knees that day, and I said, Lord, let me see their needs. Let me see their heart. Let me understand what they're going through. Let me feel their pain. Now, that wasn't a very smart thing. But it's true right on. God will give that to you. And so all of a sudden, that prideful, that, that guy that didn't care about anything else was in awe of God and his power. And can I say, this right here in these statements was the normal church. They weren't something way out there. They weren't something that everybody goes, well, that's the church. So that was the church. This full movement, the God of power, the God. Let me tell you, number two, I want to move on quickly. They were serving each other and were giving daily to all their needs to everyone, right? This was the first church, all right? They were loving God. They were in all of his power. Number two, they were serving and giving to all the needs that they found. They were a blaze of fire, guys. They were so on fire for God, and the Holy Spirit lit them up, and that was the norm of giving and blessing people, all right? It should be our norm that we just look around and look around. I remember one year, Sean and I, uh, all of a sudden, the Lord really spoke to us because we were really praying about what do we do the first of the year? And the Lord spoke to us and said, all right, for the first 30 days, I want you to give 30 days to somebody in need. Whew. I said, all right, Lord, let me tell you what, by about the 10th day, I would come in and Sean and I'd go, oh man, was this a wonderful day. You get out of your bubble, out of your shell, out of what you need, and all of a sudden you start looking at the needs of others and you get excited. I mean, you can't wait for the next person to give, the next person to give, and go, man, I'll tell you what, I'll have $30 for that waitress. Hallelujah, we'd be praying over that money, Lord, let it touch them, let it bless them. We should do that all the time. Why don't we just do it 30 days when God says do it all the time? Number three, taking their meals with gladness. I, I want to explain what that means. Right. It means tender humility and generous hearts. They were all humble. 
Every single one in the church were humble before God because resounding in their ears was the voice of Jesus. One of the last presentations of the word that he spoke to his disciples, he said, you can't do nothing without me, John 15, 5. You can't do nothing without me. We try to do everything without him. And then when it doesn't work, we go, well, God, what happened? And God says, you can't do nothing without me. So they were humble at heart, number four. They were praising God. Ezra 3.11 says, With praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord. With praise and thanksgiving, just like what Jeff led here. And they were singing to the Lord. They were singing to the Lord. They weren't just singing. They were giving praise to God because he's worthy to be praised. Can I tell you this, guys? We are the generation of Matthew chapter 24. Listen to me again. We are the generation of Matthew 24. Now, if you don't want to know what 24 says, read it. It's not my sermon. Okay, <laughs> give you the homework. Matthew 24 talks about the end of days, the end of times, the times that are upon us right now that we see. We can look at the TV. We can see we can go to any country and see it. And all of a sudden you look at it and go, wow, that's the generation. That is the generation that we should be rising up and preaching and singing and praising and giving and loving and throwing a rope out to somebody that doesn't have one. The message today is called Hold the Rope. Hold the Rope. The first church understood that. They were hand in hand. They loved each other. They gave to each other. They grabbed the rope for somebody else. They were holding on and would not let go. That's the norm of the Spirit-filled church, holding the rope for others. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4, and it said they were all scattered. A guy said the other day, told me, he goes, yeah, the Romans scattered them. I said, no, the church scattered them. The Jewish church the Jewish synagogue scattered the people. And I love the last part of that verse. It says, and they all preached. Whew. We don't preach that much either. That means you. Can I tell you this? When you leave here, you're going to be preaching. You're going to be preaching one message or the other. You're going to either be preaching, Jesus is alive and well. Jesus is is on fire and so are we or are you going to be preaching well that's just another bum sermon and it may be but you can at least praise the Lord for it <laughs> turn if you would to Acts chapter 9 I want to talk about what the church looks like one more time Acts chapter 9 verse 22 it says but Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus. Now understand, Saul is the same person that got changed on the road to Damascus. On the road to the place that he was going to persecute Christians, kill Christians, imprison Christians, he met Jesus face to face. How many of you ever had an encounter with Jesus face to face? Amen? Okay, and you're laying down and wondering, what happened to me? Amen? And so he made this encounter. All of a sudden, he turns his life around. And instead of trying to kill them, he's trying to restore them to what Jesus has told them. But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by, by proving that Jesus is the Christ. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. 
but their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching at the gates day and night, so they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening of the wall, opening in a, in a wall, lowering him in a large basket. I'm going to try to paint a picture to you. Here's this 30 to 40 foot wall. All right, the wall's usually two to four foot thick, uh, unless it's around Jericho, and it was Jericho, the walls was wide enough that they could have two chariot races all the way around the walls. And, and, and the walls were up really high. They had to have some way to get him down because they would have killed him. Saul was not Paul then. Listen to me. Okay? Saul was Saul. If they would have killed him, we would not have 23 epistles. We would not have the New Testament. There would be an emptiness right there, but God said, no, he's my man. All right? So we're going to save him tonight. Well, but he had to use somebody, just like God wants to use you. So they said they got a big basket. They tied ropes to the basket and let it over the wall and let him down to safety. There was no names. These men that held the rope, they weren't in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. There was no applause. There was no fanfare. They were the church, the body of Christ, and all for God. All means power that is released by God. The people were a little amazed. And they walked in a place to where they said, man, I'll do anything for God. Let me hold the rope. Let me hold the rope for others. Let me take the rope. No matter the pain, let me hold the rope because I'm not going to let go of the rope because Jesus never lets go of the rope for you. Can you say amen? amen? Has anyone ever held the rope for you? And wouldn't let go. Prayed for you. Bought a meal when you didn't have the money to buy a meal. Took care of your illness. Loved you when you were unlovable. I know that's no one in here. <laughs> when you were drowning in sin, they threw you a rope. In depression, in a time of mental anxiety, they took you to a safe place. That was the people in all. That was the people serving, giving, Loving and preaching. Mark 2 in chapter, I mean Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 5, there's four men. Guys, they didn't just hold the rope, right? Jesus was preaching and couldn't get in. Their friend or their brother was so sick and so ill. And so they literally went up on the roof. Now I can imagine this, I'm trying to. We've been to Israel and the houses, a lot of them are so close together. They went up on the house, they had to dig a hole through the roof. Amen? Did you know what? It didn't say one thing about the, the homeowner getting angry. No. It was, they just talked about the four men. And then they talked about Jesus because of their faith, it says, their faith. See, because of their faith, 
they wouldn't let go of the rope. And they're going to see their brother get healed. Are you holding the rope for somebody? Are you hearing me today, guys? Are you holding the rope right now for somebody? I want to tell you a story. There was a movie made, and at the time when it came out, I didn't understand or realize it was a true story. They didn't even present it in the truth that it really was. But it was a, about Private Desmond Doss. Anybody know who that is? Private Desmond Doss? A few people. All right. Let me name the movie, and you'll probably remember it. A place in Okinawa they called Hacksaw Ridge. Amen. You remember the story now? Did you know Private Doss was a conscious objector? They were treated very harshly. Matter of fact, in his unit that he was in, in his division, he was beat up constantly. He was trashed. It was horrible. For him to get to war was probably just a place of peace for what he went through. He didn't carry a rifle. He carried a bag on his shoulders. He went to help people. They called him a medic. The minute before he climbed up, he ripped off all the insignias of everything that he had. The medic insignia, everything. And I thought, man, that's, that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, he, he just took himself down to nothing. And the reason was because the first thing they shot at was the people that helped people stay alive. So he tore all the insignias off. It was company in A and, and B the 306th Infantry Division, and, and they had to climb this 30-foot, uh, 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 I'm trying to think, what do they call it? Like a net coming up, and they got up to the top, and, and then they had been there for years, fortifying this place, ready to kill everything that moved when it got on top. Machine guns everywhere. And so they take, took a devastating, uh, defeat upon that ridge the first day. And everybody said, okay, it's time to retreat. retreat. They kept telling them, come on down, come on down, come on down. Except one. All came down but one. But one was not by himself. See, there were 75 others laying in the dirt, giving up for dead. And Private Dawes said, I'll hold the rope. And so one by one, he drug them to the edge, tied a special knot in this rope, and he let them down. Listen, 75. By the time the 75th one came, his hands were bleeding. They were already scarring from the, holding the rope for 75 men, letting them hit the ground. His son wrote a memoir later, and he said it wasn't 75, it was 100 or more that he let down. He saved their life that night, and all of a sudden, he kept yelling out, Oh God, oh God, let me have one more. Let me have one more. God, please let me get one more. See, that ought to be our call today, guys. When we walk out of these doors, God, let me get one more. Let me get one more. Let me get one more. Don't let me give up. Let me throw the rope out and let me get one more. You know, the soldiers, the next day, they got ready to go. He had finally come down after he couldn't find any more. He, he was beat up. You can imagine the blood upon him. His hands he couldn't even grasp. He went over there doing medical treatment to him. And the Company B guys, that he was his guys. In the movie, it showed them. And they said, 
And the captain is standing there, and the colonel's yelling at him for, go up, go up, let's charge again. And he said, they won't go. He said, what do you mean they won't go? Well, they won't go until Private Doss goes. See, guys, you have no idea what kind of influence you have in your life. If you walk with God and you walk in awe and you walk with the power of the Lord, I'll tell you right now, people will follow you. There will be people in pain. Then he drug off. The final words on Desmond was a grenade went off right near him. Shrapnel went all the way all over his body. On the way back, dragging still another guy, a sniper shot a bullet right through his arm. Let me tell you something, guys. He still kept on. He still kept dragging. He still kept dragging. God, one more, one more. October 12th, 1945, President Truman brought him to the White House. The one's conscience objector because he just didn't want to kill. He wanted to save. He put the Medal of Honor around his neck. And Desmond looked at him and said these words. All things whatsoever you would that men should do to me, do you even so to them. Matthew 7, 12. Even in the midst of that, he's putting out the word, God doesn't forget you. You don't forget anyone else. In 1792, William Carey, a minister that was one of the most godly men, men of faith, that I've ever read about. I love William Carey, I love the story of what he did in India. He moved mountains. He posted a sermon and, and it says, all the men are called to evangelism. All men, all women are called to evangelism. And he said these words, enlarge the place of your tent. Do not hold back, stretch out. You will be spread abroad to the right and to the left. In these last words, he said, expect great things and attempt great things. Expect great things and attempt great things. See, we come in and most of the time, we don't expect God to do great things. We just don't. A lot of times it's because of the churches we were brought up in or the way we were brought up, but we don't expect. And so we don't see. See, we ought to be the people of great expectations. I'm talking about the greatest of expectations. When you've got a need in your life going, God, I thank you for fulfilling it. And walk by faith. Walk by, not by your sight or not by your feelings, but by the every word and the Bible that it says, you are, you can, and you will be. Amen. Amen. He served in India for 41 years. But he did this before. Okay, a man named Fuller, his best friend, he came to him and he said these words, I will go down into the pit if you will hold my rope. Whew. I will go down into the pit if you will hold my rope. People are watching today from Guatemala, from Canada, down in Mexico, friends of ours that we have walked with for a long time. Charlie and Pat Reynolds. We've been close to them for 20 years now this year. 
Sean and I had a 25th anniversary, and we said, well, where do we want to go? That's a milestone. And we looked at all the different places, Jellystone or Yellowstone and, and all of those other places. And, and, and about a year before that, Charlie and Pat Reynolds were in Snyder, and, and their son Tommy was at the church. We were associate pastors. And, and so we knew of them. Bill and Carol said, well, they're having a send-off, a pray meeting for them. And so why don't you go with us? And I said, oh, okay. We didn't know Charlie and Pat Reynolds. I mean, never met Charlie and Pat Reynolds. And so we just said, okay, let's go. And so we went, and next thing you know, about halfway through the service, I'm up laying my hands on Charlie and Pat Reynolds about going to a place they could not speak the language, and they had no place to stay when they got there. They were middle-aged and just said, yes, God, let's go. See, and so here we are a year later. We don't know where they are. We don't know what part of We know they're in Guatemala. We don't know what part. And so I said, okay, Shana, let's call them. <laughs> and, and that's not an easy feat either. And so we called Charlie and Pat and said, hey, this Randy and Shana Lemon, I know you don't know us very well. Matter of fact, you don't know us at all. Would you, can we come see you? And they said, well, yeah, come on. Amen. Let me tell you what, guys. It changed our life, our focus, and everything about what was coming. We had no idea that we would do 17 more trips to Guatemala, preaching the gospel, pastors, conferences, and, and doing all the things that, that God has had us do in Guatemala. We had no idea, but Charlie and Pat did this for us. They threw a rope out to us. They encouraged us. They, they picked us up, and, and I'm telling you, they gave us a new vision, a new direction. And all of a sudden, we became like this. When they took us to the airport in seven days, I'm telling you, my shirt was wet with tears. I looked back and Charlie was crying. And, and, and we became one. We became family because we were tied on to the same rope, the rope of Jesus Christ. Can you give the Lord a praise? Amen. Charlie and Pat have been there for 21 years now, preaching the gospel, doing the things that we're doing. The next couple I want to talk to you about is they were missionaries in China for years and years. When Sean and I stepped out of the pastorate at Trinity Fellowship, we said, man, what do we do? And, and John and Pat McCormick, sweet Johnny, they're, they're watching now, guys. They're, they're, our hearts are go out to them because they're, they're in Canada and they can't get back into China. How many of you know that all of a sudden God has called you to a place and you can't get there and your heart just breaks because you know the rope's out there and you're holding on the rope for so many others. About two months ago, uh, Pat Reynolds, uh, Pat uh, McCormick called me and said, listen, will you, will you do a message? I'm not supposed to probably be telling this. I'm sorry, Pat. I'm going to anyway. She said, would you do a Zoom preaching? I don't even know what Zoom is. Amen. Zoom to me means fast, you know. And so I said, yeah, fine. You know, I got my granddaughter up there. And I didn't know how to run the computer. I didn't know how to run the phone. All right, guys, I'm an old guy and illiterate. What can I say? And so I'm sitting there, and I said, okay, I've got it, right? And so the next thing that dawned on me, I had this message, this short message that, that I gave to an underground church in China. That they cannot preach on the street. They cannot preach in a building. They're in a building, but they were in hiding all the time. 
and all of a sudden it was like wow and all of a sudden we started seeing friends of ours that we had made that literally we were on the same rope together because we spent two trips to China three weeks each time and all of a sudden we went and met all these people that the glory of God was upon them in the worst in the worst in the worst of times for them they were happy they were cheerful they were praising God because then they knew they were on a rope to Jesus Christ and he would not let go I don't care what happened amen Lord of praise the other two is 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 uh My buddy. Oh, man. You know, when I gave my life to the Lord, I was a mess. Son, I got married in three years. I wouldn't go to church. I told Sean one time, I said, I've broken every sin in the ten. All of them. Why would God want me? Three years later, we go to this little nothing of a church. I mean, nothing. And the guy stood up that I had not met, Billy Simmons. And he painted a picture of a Jesus that loved unconditionally, that took every one of you in. None of us are fit. But he makes us fit. And all of a sudden, it was within days, Billy wasn't just the pastor of the church. He was my best friend. He was my mentor. He was, and then Shauna and Carol, uh, Carol Lee, if you're listening, and we became just one. At times, Billy pulled the rope just dragging me around. Amen. Come on, buddy. Drag, drag. You know, I was one of those drug babies when I was born. Weren't y'all? I mean, I was drugged to church. I was drugged to Sunday school. I was, I drug everywhere. Well, Billy just drugged me around. I hold on the rope, and he just drugged me around. And, and all of a sudden, it was time where I had the rope holding on for Billy. And Carol and I and Shauna and we just were one. And the other people like Mo and Glenn and, and Amarillo and holding the ropes and Margie and Mario. I can go on and on. Kenny and Gina back there and so many, so many others have grabbed hold of the rope. Guys, listen. Jesus threw you a rope in the midst of your darkest hour. He threw a rope out for you. So all you got to do is grab hold. All you got to do is in your addiction, your sin, your illness, Jesus is throwing a rope. He's throwing it out this morning, guys. He's throwing a rope to you this morning and said, man, will you grab hold? I've got something new for you. I've got something special for you that you can't even imagine. Never in a lifetime would I ever think that I would be climbing to nearly 12,000 miles in the Himalayan mountains in China, preaching to a bunch of people that 
one of the hardest working folks I've ever seen in my entire life. And love Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes we don't understand what the rope is. All right? I felt like I was going to Haiti and I wanted to preach the gospel. I mean, I couldn't wait to get there to preach the gospel. And so finally, we, uh, let's say, we painted a school one day. And then the next day, the guy came to me and he said, Man, you're in the oil field business. You know anything about drilling rigs? And I said, Yeah, I do. He said, Well, we need somebody to drill a water well, and this driller won't drill it unless you're working on it with him. I said, Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I came to what? Serve. I didn't come to preach. I came to serve. Let me tell you what happened on that drilling ring. I didn't have no boots. I didn't have no shoes for that. I mean, I didn't know have no clothes for that. And he goes, oh, we got, we, we got this basket full of clothes. And some old boy left these boots here. Would you like to try them on? I, I tried them on, and you know what? They were exactly my size. Amen. Amen. God's got a plan, right? And so we start drilling. And I mean, we're drilling, and we're drilling. The other two guys were polishing this John Deere tractor. Wax on, wax off, right? And I'm out there with mud up to here and back. You couldn't even see my face. I'm talking about mud and water everywhere. And finally, I kept thinking, man, my feet are hurting. I don't know what is wrong with my feet. It feels like stones in my feet. And I just kept on working, just kept on working. And finally, we got down to a point where it was getting dark. We had to stop. And so we're going to finish it the next day. So we stopped. And I said, man, we're in mud up to here. You, you can't see anything. We're already at about 700 foot deep, and, and we're up to here. And, and so I finally I said, man, I can't wait to get these boots off. And I stepped out of the mud and walked over here, sprayed with water, and I didn't have the soles on. <laughs> the soles were some back, somewhere back in the mud hole, right? So I, I'd been walking with the boots without any soles on for about three hours. And I said, boy, I tell you what, I came to preach and ran out of my boots. The next day we go to church. Amen. I couldn't wait. Amen. Get to a church of 1,500 people. People looked like they were everywhere. All right. And I was fired up. We got there. We are in the pickup. There were five of us in the pickup. David, Judy, and the three of us. And I got out, jumped out right quick. I thought I'd open the door for Judy. And I opened the door, and Judy fell out of the pickup in my lap. I'm holding this woman that's passed out. And instantly, the Lord showed me exactly what was wrong with her. Told me, instant. So I just began to pray out loud right there over what she had. They were visiting on the other side of the truck. And I'm holding Judy and praying, God, please save her life. Touch this artery. Open this artery back up in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, David looks through the window. And he sees me holding Judy. He runs around and he said, put her back in the truck. I said, okay, we'll put her back in the truck, shut the door, and he said, see you later. We're standing in the midst of Haiti. Could not speak the English, I mean the language. And we're just like, what do we do? The guy comes up and he goes, I interpret for you. I said, praise God. See, guys, listen to me. Short story. I didn't go there to preach the gospel. I want to serve. That night at supper, Judy got up and cooked a meal. 
look as like uh, she was 20 years old again in there just happy as could be we're sitting there eating in the midst of the meal david looks over to me and he goes you thought you'd come down to preach the gospel god brought you down to catch my wife and pray healing over her amen can you hear me amen would the ministry team come up please would the ministry team come